time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, December 25th, 2020. Merry Christmas to everybody out there on this fine Christmas morning or whenever you are listening to this episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. Guys, it has got to be my favorite day of the year, uh, Christmas Day, Christmas morning. There's nothing quite like it. I know everyone may not celebrate Christmas, but I know most people do. Most people do. And even if you're not a religious person, you still do. So I don't know why there's always this fight on Christmas, but, but hey, I, I, I digress. We're going to be positive today. It's Christmas Day uh, 2020. And I know for a lot of us, we didn't know if this day would ever come uh, because 2020 has just been nothing but disappointment. And I know for a lot of you and for a lot of us, uh, speaking for myself as well, Christmas is very different this year. You know, maybe we're not seeing people we're used to. Maybe people we want to see don't want to see us. Uh, maybe, um, I don't know. There's just been a whole bunch of challenges. The The mood has definitely uh, shrunk a little bit. Our leaders have kind of tried to say, well, just, you know, we know Christmas is important, but don't celebrate it this year as much or how you would like to normally. Uh, but I got a problem with that because Christmas to me means so much. It it uh, it really lifts my spirits every year um and and however you're celebrating what i envision on christmas morning for a lot of people is maybe you light the fireplace maybe you rush down to see the uh, the cookie crumbs right the half drank glass of milk uh that santa left you see presents appear that weren't there the night before um you flip the heater on you got the coffee going uh maybe you throw on some eggnog a little early or some wine for mom and dad to celebrate. Uh, the kids are just ready, ready to go. You grab some trash bags and you just kind of start uh, burying into gifts, right? Diving in. And, and I remember as a kid, uh, you know, mom and dad slept in on the weekends. You didn't wake them up. And you'd want to watch cartoons or whatever. You had to do so quietly. Um, but I remember Christmas morning, I'd wake up, say, hey, Sam, Christmas morning, Christmas morning. And we'd run downstairs, uh, not downstairs, we didn't have stairs. Uh, but we would go wake my parents up because I knew if there was one day we could wake them up, it was Christmas morning. And they'd wake up and my mom, she'd quickly put a smile on. My father, not so much. <laughs> kind of roll around like I think most dads do. I'm just like, you know, begrudgingly. But he understood, too, that Christmas morning was special. So we it, it felt like an hour, right, of them just put on, put on your bathrobes. Come on, come on, let's go outside. Nobody's here. Like, come on, let's do these gifts. Let's do it. Let's do it. Just this excitement. You go turn the tree on. You got, you know, maybe uh, some breakfast food out there, and you just you dive right in. So those are some of the things I think about on Christmas morning. Uh, with my mom, she loved the movie White Christmas. So it seemed like every year uh, she'd ask my dad to put on the movie, the VHS, uh, <laughs> White Christmas which is a long film, but it is really well done film. 
uh, Bing Crosby and Danny Kay and some other great cast members, uh, you know, musical and a uh, pretty good story too. And I've seen that movie a million times, but every year at Christmas, it uh, I enjoy watching it because it, it brings back a lot of memories for me. And, uh, you know, my mom was so into Christmas. She was such a, uh, she made Christmas the entire month stretch into two and she would do her shopping in August. I mean, she was just that type of person. She was always putting out decorations and uh, baking up, you know, Christmas cookies and just all kinds of great stuff. I really wish in my adult years, I could have experienced it more with her because I think her and I really would have uh, cherished those moments together, you know, uh, making that switch from coffee to a cocktail around, uh, I don't know, 11 to 12, whatever it's Christmas morning, right? Uh, kind of planning the, the family meal. And when my mom passed away in 2008, in July, I knew that Christmas was going to be very difficult for our family, for our extended family. And so what I did is I kind of took kind of the grief and tried to use it as fuel to just go overboard. I put up the lights in early November. I, I did all the shopping. I did over 200 Christmas cards. I just, cause I knew she did, she did the Christmas cards and people would be expecting them. There were still people that didn't know she had passed away until I had to write it in a Christmas card. So again, this is not to pat myself on the back. It's, it's a, just a way for you guys to understand what Christmas means to me. And kind of, I carry the Christmas spirit my mom had uh, with me every year. And trust me, it's not easy every December uh, rolls around because every year I seem to be struggling with something, whether it be a work related, um, could be anything. And it makes me happy, more happy at night driving, seeing a Christmas lights, starting to, you know, get to smell the fireplaces. Uh, you walk into different restaurants or, you know, people's houses and they got good Christmas smells going with the pastries and cookies and all kinds of bad stuff. But uh, in the month of December, it seems like uh, everything is allowed to be eaten, right? All kinds of bad food. I just had some uh, some uh, good breakfast myself here that uh, I, I wouldn't eat normally, but I said, hey, it's Christmas. It's Christmas season. So anyway, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Th again, those are just a few things for me that I think about Christmas morning, Christmas day. I love kind of that, what would you call it? Like a 12-hour period, like as the sun goes down on Christmas Eve until around noon on Christmas morning. That's a special time. And sure, I'm sure there's there's people that get together Christmas night for kind of, you know, some dinner, that wrap up the the Christmas uh, holiday. It goes quick. We we plan all month. We plan for a couple months and all of a sudden it's gone. Um, but yeah, as a kid, I remember going to my aunt's house Christmas Eve, Christmas morning with my parents. One or two years we hosted everyone. And then we go to my dad's uh, mom's on uh, Christmas night. It was just like nonstop. It was awesome. Presents everywhere. And then as you get older, you learn that it's about giving presents, giving presents to other people. And that's fun for me too. There, I got to be honest. There's times when I buy a group of presents where I'm like, okay, these presents will work for this group of people. <laughs> but there's other times like this year that I put in some very specific orders, we'll say for some very specific people. And uh, those of you out there, you know who you are. If you've received a gift from me, uh, and hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed planning and preparing it for you. But you know, ultimately, with with Christmas, 
gift giving and, and some people hate buying gifts and oh it's fake you you buy gifts for people you don't really like or blah you you feel this obligation you should never feel obligated you should do it because you want to and again you may not be the the most religious people out there or, or maybe you have a very uh, deep faith but you know Christmas also is you know about about the greatest gift we've ever received and I got to be honest, my my faith has been tested over the years. I, I've said this before on the podcast. I don't go to church as often as I wish I or I should, we'll say. Um, so maybe that's something I'll improve on. But, you know, Christmas time, even if you've lost your faith a little bit, I think it brings us all back just a little bit even, right? And for a lot of us, it, it really uh, puts our beliefs, I mean, just in concrete. We feel... We know uh, why we believe what we believe when you hopefully see the joy and cheer around you uh, on Christmas morning or the Christmas season or this entire month. Um, And so to each and every person out there, I say Merry Christmas to you all. We will soon be turning the page on this terrible year, but hopefully for today, Christmas morning, Christmas day, Christmas night, or whenever you celebrate Christmas Eve, uh, or a few days later, whatever. Uh, I wish you all health and happiness and a very Merry Christmas uh, from the Get Home Safe podcast. And I thank you so much for all the continued support. Um, Christmas, again, is uh, so special to me. And I, when I say Merry Christmas, I'm not just saying it. To me, it's one of the greatest greetings I can give you. Greetings, goodbyes, whatever. Um, it, it's a powerful message to me. So, Uh, Merry Christmas to all, and uh, we will move forward here. I know it's a long show. I have an interview with Tracy McFate on here that we recorded a few days ago, and I told him, I said, hey, man, you you got the Christmas Day slot. Congratulations. And so he was pretty happy about that. Um, We talk a lot of football, and for those that know me, you know I love Christmas. You know I love football. I could talk football any month of the year. We're going to talk plenty of football today, high school, college football, NFL, Tracy worked at Azusa Pacific University for a while, and he was also affiliated with the program a little bit after he got out of his football officiating career. So there's plenty to talk about, lots of insight. He was on the program months ago, but uh, he lives in Las Vegas and uh, after moving from Glendora, California. So he's going to offer up his uh, thoughts on Christmas and uh, a lot of thoughts on football. So uh, bear with us. It's a long show today. It's uh, Christmas Day. Whenever you're listening to this, uh, that's when we put this podcast out. I know most people don't have the time on Christmas Day, nor nor would I expect you to listen on Christmas Day, but maybe some point in the weekend you can uh, give us a listen here, and I appreciate you uh, tuning in. And it's a long episode, as I mentioned, so it might take uh, you might have to break it up a little bit. But anyway, we'll get to the interview with Tracy McFate, but first I want to say a couple words about uh, our Suds with Studs segment. It's not really a long one today, but it is Friday, and I do want to make a mention about some people. Uh, For our Suds with Studs segment, it's kind of a broad announcement, but I think you guys will understand the the people I'm talking about as soon as I get into it. So uh, Merry Christmas to all. I'm going to take a sip of my coffee here, then maybe a sip of eggnog after that, and then we'll dive into the Suds with Studs segment, followed immediately by the interview I did with Tracy McFreight. McFate. So Merry Christmas, guys, and uh, we will be right back with more from the Get Home Safe podcast. 
Well, it's Christmas Day, but it's also Friday. And you know on Fridays we do a Suds with Studs segment. We talk about some heroes. We talk about Medal of Honor winners, police officers, firefighters. We talk about people that inspire us. We talk about people that we would love to sit down and have a beer with. And not just by the first round, but every single round. And today, since it is Christmas, I have a brief segment here on Suds with Studs. I don't generally do this where I kind of generalize and, and make a, uh, put a big group of people into this segment. But I'm going to do it today. And the people I want you to think about today on Christmas Day are all the people that are working and not people that, although we respect and love their commitment to us, not just the people that work in, say, like shipping or maybe a restaurant that's open, um, but specifically the people that work on Christmas Day for us to keep us safe military, um, medical personnel, police officers, firefighters. Okay. These are people that every Christmas, uh, have to work. Some, some group of their group has to work, right? Um, I want you guys, as you guys are sitting and enjoying your Christmas ham, enjoying, uh, your, your, uh, cinnamon, you know, cinnamon coffee or whatever your, you know, your, your Christmas cookies, you're enjoying these things with family. I want you to think about the people that are on the front lines, and we've had a lot of it this year in 2020, uh, whether it be healthcare professionals or uh, police in riot gear, uh, you know, our military uh, stationed everywhere. Think about the people that are having their Christmas dinner in a styrofoam container. Think about the people that kind of have to rush and open up gifts and eat their styrofoam dinner while maybe looking over their shoulder, not knowing quite what danger is coming their way next. All right. I, some of my, the, I wouldn't say, say they're my favorite, but my, the pictures that stick out to me are seeing, uh, members of the military sitting on the ground, uh, in full uniform with their rifle next to them, uh, eating Christmas dinner in a styrofoam container and thinking to myself, man, to them right there, that's as good as it gets. And they're probably overjoyed to have a nice meal Christmas meal and you know the world doesn't stop turning for bad things as we've seen in 2020 it started here in uh, in January with some unfortunate news of Kobe Bryant's passing as well as the other members of that helicopter uh, the coronavirus came into the US uh, there's been riots there's been uh, all kinds of just disagreements ugliness nastiness and yet here we are on Christmas Day so I want you guys to think about the people that, yeah, maybe, okay, they're just sitting around in a uh, firehouse and there's probably not going to be any calls, but there could. The the, the police officers out on patrol, there probably not be much going on, but there could. And the point is these people are not with their families. They are not sitting around opening gifts under the Christmas tree. They're not sharing eggnog with uh, friends and family who come over in the evening. Uh, They're not doing these things. They are working. They are giving to us. Someone's got to do the job. And, you you know, most of us have certain days off. Christmas Day is a big one uh, where most people are off. But there are a few out there who work. And I'm not discounting the people that do have to work that are not police officers, firefighters, military medical personnel 
nurses, doctors. I'm not, uh, you know, not discrediting the people that aren't those things. But for the purpose of this segment on Friday, Suds with Studs, uh, we we are paying tribute to those types of people who give to us. And we're going to continue to talk about specific people on this segment, Suds with Studs. I like giving you guys some information to look up. But for today on Christmas Day, I know it's a rather short one. Um, that's that's just to kind of sum up all the people that are out there without pinpointing one specific person or a couple different people. I thought, well, well let's 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 pay tribute to all those people out there who are, are working uh, in Santa hats or who are, uh, you know, on call, uh, uh, ready to tackle an emergency if need be. So uh, we, we each and every one of us know someone who's working in a hospital or in a firehouse or stationed elsewhere uh, in some other part of the world. Uh, so let's think of those people. And you know what? Maybe send them a message. Send, maybe it's just a Merry Christmas, whatever. But but let's let's remember those people and not just say, oh, yeah, you know, let John Smith, he's working today. Uh, but let's truly be grateful and thankful for them as we open our presents, as we sip our drinks, as we eat our food, as we share the laughs, as we listen to the music in our in our homes and celebrate Christmas as normal people would like to do. And uh, it's it's a great tribute uh, to those out there who do things for us, especially on Christmas Day and other holidays as well, but especially Christmas Day, where I think that we owe them so much gratitude that they're working for us and they uh, cannot spend Christmas with their families. And I'm sure they celebrate in other ways, but I just thought I'd mention those people today who work on Christmas Day, police, fire, medical personnel, and of course, our beloved military, every single one of you, uh, you are people I would love to sit down and have a beer with, maybe after you get off your shift uh, late at night or whenever it is. And I promise you, if I could, if I could afford it, I would love to buy a round for each and every single one of you. So Merry Christmas out there to our police, our firefighters, our medical personnel, and our military. Uh, Without you, we couldn't have Christmas, and uh, we greatly appreciate your service. And you are the types of people we want to continue to talk about here on our weekly segment, Suds with Studs. Okay, I am joined once again by my very good friend, a big mentor uh, to my football officiating career, Mr. Tracy McFate. He was with us back in April, one of our earliest guests. And uh, Tracy, a lot has changed since then. This episode is being released on Christmas Day. It is Monday morning, uh, December 21st right now. Tracy, thank you for joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, Matt. Merry Christmas. Great to be with you. All right. Merry Christmas indeed, Tracy. Now, uh, are you one of those guys, Tracy, that, that is uh, adamant like I am about the whole Merry Christmas thing? Happy holidays. I mean, okay, all right, whatever. I just, man, it's Christmas. Why can't we say Christmas? I don't get it. Oh, there's no question about it. I, I don't like Xmas. Um, I don't like happy holidays. It's got to be Christmas. You know, the schools out here, they cannot have a Christmas party. Of course, there's no schools in session. It has to be a holiday party. And um, I, I, I just don't get it. I'm a big Christmas guy. Amen, my friend. Well, that's great to hear. And, you know, this is my thing. You don't have to be a religious person either. Like for Christmas, everyone's off Christmas Day. You celebrate. You have Christmas gifts, Christmas tree, Christmas, everything else. Uh, I know, you know, you and I, it's a religious aspect of it. But I just feel like 
you don't have to have to be a religious person really or celebrate that side of it i i, I don't know it just drives me crazy glad to hear there's some people out there who still celebrate uh this wonderful holiday, the best time of year, even in 2020, right, Tracy? Christmas Day is uh, truly special. It 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 is, and I'm I'm 66, and everyone is special. And I remember when I was a little kid, don't go in the living room until we get up to take you out there, and all you know, and all those type of type of traditions and stuff, probably like you have. But yeah, it is definitely Christmas. Nothing else, not holidays, not Xmas. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, I will correct that. If somebody says happy holidays, I'm just going to say Merry Christmas back to them. <laughs> Absolutely. It's just a little, little, little something. <laughs> uh, uh, well, well, what are your plans on Christmas Day? Are you guys Christmas morning type of people? Some, some families love the whole Christmas Eve thing. Heck, some people do it both. Just, just kind of just uh, make it all one big uh, event, uh, you know, bouncing around to different families. Kind of what is your usual? Well, we're definitely – we're we're definitely Christmas Day people, um, and and we always have been. And this is our second Christmas here in Henderson, and uh, my daughter and son-in-law Katie and Philip, you know, live out here. Um, so uh, this year, um, you know, they're going to be with us. His family, Philip's family, uh, also lives in Las Vegas. So you know, we kind of alternate, but um, it'll be something where they come over uh, probably around eleven o'clock in the morning. We'll have dinner around two or three. <laughs> There's going to be some football on, but, um, <laughs> you know, we're just going to spend the day together and, and it's going to be, um, uh, Ryan works at bonds. He's off that day. And, you know, we'll probably open our gifts probably around, like I said, 11 o'clock in the morning or whatever, and just kind of enjoy each other's company throughout the day. Maybe play a couple of games, um, have a nice dinner. Connie always says, well, I'm not going to do too much this year for Christmas dinner. And then just, goes absolutely nuts, which I really appreciate. <laughs> but um, it, 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 that's the way it's been for the last you know few years. It's just been kind of like our family together. We don't meet with a big sure. group of people. Sure, um, sure. So, um, yeah. So, so serious question here. At what point on Christmas Day, generally, is, does the transition occur? What time does it roughly go from coffee to uh, maybe a cold beer? What, what time of day are we talking there? You know, probably <laughs> got to have the coffee. Oh, uh, yes. I have the coffee. Yeah. And so probably after, you know, uh, when, the, when the kids were little or whatever, probably after everything got picked up a little bit. And <laughs> I can always ask Connie, is there anything I can do for you? Well, you know, that's a loaded question because then she'll always come back and say, oh, no, just relax. So as soon as she says, no, just relax. And I hope she's not listening in the other room right now. <laughs> but when she says, just relax, you, you know, uh, it's kind of like, uh, all right, I'm good to go. Yeah. <laughs> I always leave something out for, San, for, for Santa. And if Santa doesn't, if Santa doesn't take it, you know, you can't waste it. No, not at all. Whether it be cookies or, uh, you know, a Corona, whatever. Like, I'm not sure, uh, Santa can't fly the sleigh and drive. So, or fly, drink and, and fly the sleigh, I should say. So, um, gotta be safe out there. Uh, well, well you know that cinnamon whiskey, what's it, what, what, what are we, what's it called? Fireball. Do you know who turned me on to Fireball? Uh, no. I don't know. You. <laughs> sitting, you did, sitting at a bar at Clubhouse 66. Oh, boy. It was you and me and Ruben Lopez, and you ordered it up, and you said, here, drink this. <laughs> and um, It's festive. <laughs> I, uh, 
I don't know. What's that been? 10 years? Oh, <laughs> so. it, it has been. It has been. It's been a long time. Uh, well, well, speaking of clubhouse, yeah. Tr- Tracy, did you get a chance? Well, I know you did because you, you called in and said how much you enjoyed it. But uh, what'd you think of the interview with Paula De La Cruz? And yeah, did, didn't we have uh, quite a few fun evenings there after football games? And uh, what'd you think of the, the interview with Paula? You know, it was great to hear from Paula. Um, I, I mean, and I, I sent her a message or whatever, but I told her that anything she, she does, you know, she's going to be successful in. And, and she really took care of us. Those Friday nights were very interesting because we had a dozen officials every Friday night over there that were a lot better officials at 11 o'clock at night than they were at 7 o'clock. And um, it, it was just a – I was worn out after I left Clubhouse 66. And like you, I was fortunate I didn't have a long way to go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could never figure out on, on Saturday morning why I didn't have any money. But, uh, so. <laughs> Refereeing for free, basically. Uh, Refereeing no, you for know. free. Yeah, yeah, let me go help. work a Saturday morning game over at uh, Charter Oak High School. That was one of my fa- okay. So one of my favorite memories, Tracy. So Tracy's the assigner uh, of high school football. He he'd work Friday nights, uh, only varsity games really, and you know he was working at APU at the time. And there was a, a rain out or there was something that happened on a Thursday. And uh, so they, they only played half of a game. I think it was Damien and Claremont. I do remember the Claremont part. Yes. yes. And, and Tracy came out of uh, JV freshman football retirement because Claremont uh, high school said, Hey, we're going to play the second half Saturday morning. We're only going to play a uh, half. And uh, we'll pay for a full game check for all the officials. So Tracy McFate had to find some black shorts and he came out and uh, I don't know how I got the assignment. It must've been a clubhouse Friday night. And uh, you said, Hey Matt, I got a great gig for you. We, yes, we are going to work a JV game on Saturday morning. Who should we get as our third? And I said, well, what if maybe it was probably your idea, but I said, Hey, what if Gabe Lopez, he was our third and, and it was his first white hat. And uh, that was a fun memory for me. Tracy, we were out of there in like 40 minutes and had uh, 75 bucks in our pocket. Uh, that was one of your best assignments ever. I remember Rick Dutton, good guy, was the athletic director at Claremont High School. And he called me up on that Friday morning. And I was getting all sorts of phone calls because we had all those afternoon games canceled because of lightning <laughs> was coming close and everything. Yeah. And he says, we're only going to play a half. We're going to go running clock. We'll pay a full game fee. He says, do you want me to call the officials to see if they can work it? And I go, no, 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 no. I'll take care of this one here. And so we got you and me and Gabe. And if you remember, that was Gabe's first time being a referee. Yes. And do you remember the play where there was a change of possession and Gabe ended up blowing the whistle ready for play from the defensive backfield and you were getting ready to stop him. And I said, no, let him go. And they snapped the ball and he couldn't figure out why there was 22 players running at him. Well, well, (laughs) well, yeah. And as a referee, you know, as you're, you're in the offensive backfield and there's a lot of truth to, you know, you're watching your quarterback, you're watching the, the players, the linemen back there, there was a pass play. And as a referee, you don't look downfield to see what the pass was. You watch your guys and you hear whistles and you figure, okay, must have been a completed pass. I was running in, spotting the ball, say, all right, we're, we're good, Gabe. And he just assumed, I'm sure, that it was a completed pass. So when he marked it ready for play, yeah, the the, the defense was now the offense coming at him. It was like the, the deer in the headlights look was, was hilarious. So, yeah, definitely one for the books. Not only did Gabe – uh, hacked the ball ready for play on the defensive side of the ball. But Tracy McFate was out there 
working as a line judge and had the black shorts on? I mean, did, did you still have the price tag on those things uh, or did you borrow them? Oh, no, the price tag was on there because I sent them back. <laughs> you only needed them for 40 minutes. That was great. Uh, you know, it was, it was for rent. Um, <laughs> I do remember the coaches coming up and profusely thanking us, uh, uh, you know, for coming out and giving us the time to do this and everything. And I just say, man, as long as you spell the name right on the check, we're good to go. Yeah, so, yeah that's right, man. Uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul is not getting this one. <laughs> no (laughs) anyway that was that was a lot of fun catching up with paula and yeah she's gonna do great thing um you know all the all the first responders like her you know god bless them all Uh, always fun talking some baseball with her uh and and then also tracy you know you've been on here a few times we've heard your voice with a few phone calls we'll say in regards to uh the one and only uh bill barnes i know he loves hearing from you uh and uh you know bill is quite a character you still tune into him a little bit on wednesdays I do. I do. And, and I didn't hear if Bill had a comment about the message I left the other day, because uh, I haven't listened to that episode yet. Um, but um, uh, Bill just needs to come out of the shell a little bit. You know, he's <laughs> he's I think he's afraid to hurt people's feelings with what he, he really believes. And uh, but he's coming around. He's definitely coming around. He's getting snaps. He's getting snaps. He's getting snaps. Yeah, you know? yeah, he's he's uh, he's he's, he's going to take the dogs out with him, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah. Bill, speak your mind a little bit more. Speak your, <laughs> speak your heart. brother. He's a great guy. Uh, he's a great guy. I, I love having him weekly. It's a great time to, to catch up with him. Uh, a good friend, Bill Barnes. And uh, just uh, just a great time. Well, well, Tracy, we have a lot of football to talk about, um, you know, there's so many memories I have from working football and it's kind of weird not having it around right now. Um, you know, I, I guess we could start in the high school side of things uh, first, just because that's where you and I interacted, had so much experience. You were the assigner for high school football for so many years. The last time we talked was in April and we were hoping and praying there was still going to be a high school football season. It has gotten pushed back. Uh, to December and now even later here in California. And what's frustrating to me is, you know, we all know a lot of officials, but we also know a lot of high school coaches. We know some high school players, families of players and everything. And it's not looking good for California as playing a, a football season. Now you also have other states that have played their football season at regular time. They've had state championships and everything else, but California seems to be dragging its feet. So how, how frustrating is it for you to see that there's no high school football in California right now? You know, I don't think it's going to take a rocket science to figure out here in a few minutes about where I stand politically. And I think you and I are on the same page, but when you, when you see that, that they won't let people dine outdoors in California, when they won't let two football teams play in an empty 93,000 seat stadium um, you know, these football coaches and speaking specifically like in the San Gabriel Valley, but in the Southern section, they're working their butts off. You know, they, they, they want to play, they make a difference in these kids' lives. And, and the frustrating thing is they can't even get an answer. And I understand at the CIF level, they can't get an answer. They can't give an answer. Uh, you know, that has to come from above and um, it, it's just not happening. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't see how they're going to have a football season. Uh, hopefully the earliest they're going to have, it, I think is going to be, you know, the traditional season in, in, in like August. Um, Cause right now I just don't, I, I just don't see it happening. You have boards of education and superintendents and stuff. I really don't think they're given um, any athletics 
any kind of consideration at all. I don't think the principals, I don't think that's even on their radar to think about when are we gonna uh, play sports or football um, specifically. So I just don't see that happening. Here in Southern Nevada, the Board of Education here can't even decide on a date when they're gonna meet next, let alone what they're gonna do for uh, kids to play football. But as far as the Southern section goes, I really think that the, the kids just need to regroup and say, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna hit it in full stride and go uh, in, in August. And I talked yesterday to Greg Gaino, the head football coach at Don Lugo High School, and he feels so bad, just like every coach does for their current seniors oh. of the things that they're missing out. And it's not only football, but it's being with their friends. It's not going to be able to go to Disneyland on grad night and not having a graduation. And it's just, it's, it's, and I think when they go to restart, Matt, I just don't think it's going to be a flip of the switch. I mean, no. you know, th these are going to be kids that really haven't been, you know, put a helmet on for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And you know, what kind of product are we going to have? So um, I hope I'm wrong, uh, but there's no positive indications that show we're going to play football at the earliest in the traditional time in 2021. Yeah. And I know you're in Nevada, but you know, you're still, I think your heart is still here in California for the football season anyway. Uh, you know, a lot less work for you these days as far as the signing goes <laughs> and everything, but you know, Tracy, I got to be honest with you looking back at my high school time. I don't know that I would have graduated had I not had football kind of pushing me and motivating me other sports too, but there's something about football. And I, I, I didn't like school. Most people don't like school. You're there for the, the social aspect. You get through it. But, man, if I didn't have sports or, or specifically football to play, uh, I, I don't know how I would have fared as a student and getting through things. There's so much more to playing the game and having games and having events and than, than just, all oh, a win or a loss on a Friday night. No, there's so much more that goes into it. And yeah, you're right about those seniors. I mean, can you relate? To, can you imagine, Tracy, uh, back when you graduated? I know many years ago. Uh, what your high school experience would have been like without playing football? It's it's uh, uh, really um, it's it's hard to even think about. Um, uh, my best friend, we grew up on the same street together. We played little league baseball together. Went through school, high school, and everything. He lives about five miles from me here in Henderson, Nevada. I mean, you make relationships that that you never um, that 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 you never forget. Um, but also the count the the these kids are now when they're playing sports, um, and maybe it's that way in band and drama. But they're accountable. Hey, we're you know practice starts at two o'clock. Be there. No, you don't come at two ten. Um, you know, if if you do your job and the ten other guys do their job, we have a chance of being successful. Um, hey, I had a uh, good game. I'm, you know, I'm going to take a little bit of pride. You know, I don't want to be overly dramatic and say if, if they didn't have this, these, these, these kids were going to be out robbing 7-Elevens. That's not true. But when they get into the real world and they tell them, hey, you know, we're starting work at seven o'clock this morning, you're going to be there at seven o'clock. You're not going to be there at 7-10 in the morning. You're going to um, uh, uh, have a little bit of pride in what you do mm -hmm. and be proud of what you do. And again, make some relationships uh on there and uh, you know if that's happening it's not at a big scale that's for sure yeah i think football like any other sport uh unlike well more i should say more than any other sport um does build character it, it, it reveals character it builds character and the adversity you face in football you've already talked a lot about the the teamwork aspect of it 
it's just different than the other sports. And uh, it was so odd, Tracy, in October, November here, I'd be driving around. I drive past high schools. I drive past uh, empty stadiums on a Friday night. And it has that, that feeling of, oh, they must be away this Friday night. But no, it's like, no, all these are shut down. Very eerie, very sad. And what pisses me off, Tracy, is, you know, there's 50 states in this, in this country and uh, quite a few of them played high school football at the regular time. I mean, every, it's, it's almost Christmas or this will be released Christmas Day. And a lot of those states, they played a full season. They played state championships and they, they got it in. So why? I mean, we know the reason why. It's the leadership. But why is it okay to play in some places and not others? I mean, to me, that should speak volumes and be like, hey, maybe we should get on board with this. We have leadership in Sacramento that is scared to death to make that decision. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, what, that's what makes it really frustrating. And when they do the things that they've done, quite frankly, I can't see how some of these people in those positions keep on getting voted in. Yeah, um, It just, it just, amazes me um, the, uh, they're not they're not thinking about the kids um, so what do they make the biggest high school football story of the year some punk kid in Edinburgh New Mexico um, that's the high school story of the year and I'm, I'm done talking about that yeah but you know what I'm talking about and and uh, so I feel um, I, I again I just feel feel bad about these kids uh, they're not letting the principals make the decisions. They're not letting, uh, I feel sorry for the administration. I, I really do. And then I start thinking, okay, now they get the green light. Now you get a school who is consistently one and nine, two and eight. It's been a long time since they've been to the playoffs. And they say, well, you know, gosh, we've taken a financial hit for the last year. Um, why do we need a football program? And I'm a little concerned about that. We're going to see some of that happening. And, um, you know, um, uh, is it the virus's fault? No, we're lacking leadership at the high levels. Oh yeah. That's an, that's the understatement of the year. I mean, um, California, I told a friend of mine moved from uh, Utah and he's like, yeah, I can't wait to live here in California. This is great. And then, uh, then he got his first paycheck and he saw the taxes and he's like, what is this? I'm like, yeah, this is California, man. Uh, there's just, there's a ton of issues with California. God bless you for getting out of this state. Uh, I, I hope to follow your lead in, in the, in the near future, uh, somewhere, but you know, you mentioned certain programs might shut down and much like, you know, with these restaurants being closed, they can't take a, a few weeks off to, to, they're barely getting by as it is. And when that was my biggest fear with a lot of these programs shutting down their football season, it's not about. Just, oh, we'll wait till next year. Some people, some programs can't take a year off without being terminated, without disappearing altogether. You've seen a decline in high school football over the years. Uh, Some teams don't have JV programs. Some teams don't have freshman programs. Uh, Heck, some varsity programs only get uh, 20 guys out there. And we're not talking about teams like Real Hardo Prep, you know? We're talking about big schools. So my fear, Tracy, is that high school football football could eventually be a thing of the past uh, in some of these communities and some of these schools in Southern California. What do you think about that? Up until the last six months, I, I thought we would always have it at some point, but then you look at this, the last few years at the, just at the junior all American level, the teams that folded and you hear about, you know, this city used to have five teams. Now they have three. Now they don't have any. 
So it's worked its way up to the point, even before the virus, at, like you mentioned uh, uh, about it, the lower levels, the freshmen and, and the, the uh, junior varsity teams. Um, uh, it, it's hit them. There's going to be schools that probably just have a varsity team. We finished the 19 season with schools only having a varsity team. And I think they're going to start the 21 season that way. And it just keeps on going up higher. Um, I think we take it a step further, the community college level. I think when it comes back, we're going to see some community college. There was a, uh, I, I believe it was Southwestern, but a team down in the San Diego area um, that, that had already committed before, before the virus that they were not going to play football. And I think you're going to see other, other schools, and I don't want to name, but I mean, well, you have Compton College, you have some of these other schools who um, were probably struggling to stay afloat at the community college level. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think we're going to see a lot of those fall by the wayside. Well, with, com- um, with community you know, college, community college doesn't have the support, maybe even that high school programs do. So there's not really revenue that's made or created no. at the community college level. No. I mean, I think you probably have the head coach and maybe one or two assistants that are full time. And, and the rest of those guys, you know, bless their heart or uh, uh, at least bless their heart, except on a Saturday night, but are walk on. <laughs> and um, uh, so, you know, and, and you and I have worked locally at the division three level. I mean, how long are they going to sustain the uh, Pomona's and the Whittier's, even if they have the money to support it? How long are they going to do it? So you're right. You're right. I think we're going to see a different um, level of high school football, um, uh, you know, where it's kind of like the shredding of the leaves of, during the fall season. I think we might even see a different type of CIF. I think they're going to have to be really, really lean. I think, they're, you know, they're going to need to maybe make some cuts internally for them to be successful. Um, you know, they've, they've shut down their offices. They're working from home. I don't know what their staffing is like now. Um, but they have no money coming in and, you know, they're the governing body. So, um, you know, I think they're going to have to reinvent the wheel a little bit when it comes to high school football. And I think if they do that with the kids in mind first, and uh, these high school football coaches that I read online, I'm thinking specifically about say Chris Stevens, who has a great podcast. Um, you know, they got it together. They, they know what they want to uh, do and how to be successful. And I hope they listen to people like that. But those longtime football coaches, um, the Greg Gaynos, the Ted Clarks, Mark Pasquarello, those type of guys, um, I think they can be successful um, if they let them uh, say, this is the way we're going to do things going forward. Yeah, I, I hope football survives here in California. I know, you know, a lot of schools, uh, you know, my alma mater, Real Hondo Prep, they, they're very – it's almost like the school is based around uh, football is the best thing they do as far as events. And just, uh, they do other things too. have uh, Christmas programs and, you know, other sports and other stuff, but football is kind of like one of the, you think a real, you say real Hondo prep and that's kind of something that pops up, right? Uh, yeah. your, your program Monrovia. Great. I hope they play one day. That'd be awesome. Tracy Rio versus yeah, yeah. Monrovia. I'll be, I'll, you, you can be the back judge. <laughs> We'll make it happen. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think where I was going with this, but um, yeah, yeah. High school football, man, I, I hope it, I hope it comes back. I just, I'm fearful that uh, it won't. I think every year, Tracy, think about it. Every year we had new rules, right? New rules come out written by coaches uh, for those that don't know. And it seemed like every year, more and more rules out there. And what's the number one thing? This is for safety. This is for safety. Well, 
unfortunately, now with high school football, everything's being pre. Oh, this is for safety. I, I think more damage has been done in the name of safety <laughs> than other than uh, other things. Uh, so, I just think it's a slippery slope when policies are made, uh, lives are changed based off of this terrible term. I think safety because it's like for officials, it it, it covers us with some of our decisions. But still, I mean, we got to have high school football back and, and back soon. Like, well, and, and you know, Matt, you, you have, you have the, the cheer, you have the band, you have, um, seriously, grandma and grandpa coming out to sit in the stands and, and, yeah. and watch their grandkids. Um, uh, we haven't even yet talked about football officials and high school football, <laughs> and we, we don't really need to, but you know, there's so many elements that are, that are here. And um, um, I know, as, as you know, Katie was a cheerleader at Glendora High School for a couple of years. I know the effort that they put in, into it. And I um, certainly know the cost of it as well. And so, you know, it's, it's, it, that goes to every school that plays, they, they have that. So that's been shut down. And, um, you know, so it's, it's so wide ranging. I know that the principals and administrators want to get back on, you know, a, a normalcy. I just don't see until we get the kids back in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. Um, um, Greg Gaino told me that Don Lugo was able to practice here last month or whenever it was when they were gearing up to start on December 14th. And he said the rules were on the practice field. We had to keep a social distance and we could not use a football. So they're having football practice six feet apart without a football. Um, <laughs> kind of hard to be successful with that. Yeah, I so, don't know what formation you can run or uh, what plays you can run with that, but that's that's ridiculous. Well, you know, uh, Greg, he's pretty intense, and, he, and it, 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 it frustrated you. Greg? Greg, no. Come on. <laughs> Coach Gano? No. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, well, Tracy, let's talk some other fo- – this, this whole podcast is going to be pretty much football, but, uh, you know, you used to work at Azusa Pacific University, and although it's Azusa, I still consider APU – you know, it's a Glendora – community so you and i both lived in glendora a long time and azusa pacific university was really the only division two program uh in southern california that i can think of it played naia football for a long time and unfortunately it was announced uh, last week that apu was terminating its football program so as someone who has some inside, uh, maybe inside info about, or has some history with the program. Uh, tell me about the, the, the thoughts that you're ex- experiencing, as well as maybe some other alumni uh, who've, who've heard this terrible news. And, and maybe if you could fill us in as to why this happened. You know, it's Matt, it's a, um, first of all, everything I say is, is, is basically, unless I say otherwise, it's kind of like my opinion and what I've gathered over the years, Yeah. but it totally blindsided me. And they didn't owe me a phone call before this happened or whatever. Of course not. And I got a phone call from my good friend, Scott Root, who saw it on Instagram. And I thought he was kidding. And during that phone call with Scott, I got six text messages and I believe two missed calls uh, wanting to talk about um, the APU football program. And um, I didn't work in athletics, um, but as a division one official and a college official, I worked a number of APU games. I developed relationships with um, the, the previous football coach, um, Pete Shenick, 
And I would get the officials for their scrimmages. And, and then it got to the point to where, you know, I get phone calls on rules question. And then I got employed by them. Victor Santa Cruz became the head football coach when Pete Chinnick moved on to uh, bigger and better things. And Victor and I developed a, a really good, that still stands, a really good friendship. And um, I, I got to the point when I got off the field in college football that I was kind of like their liaison for officials, especially on game day. And I knew the kind of treatment we got when I was working division one that the officials got, you know, they'd have a meal for us. They'd have somebody meet us and so on. And I did that for APU and I really enjoyed it because I got to see the officials before the game and I got to make sure that they were taken care of properly. Um, um, Victor would run plays by me to see if these, you know, were legal type plays or, you know, if he had a question before he sent it into the supervisor and, and so on. And we would, we'd talk a lot of football. We'd talk a lot of life. And um, when I was going through my initial vision issues um, seven years ago, I mean, he was calling me every week. And uh, so it, it is a special place. So APU uh, non-athletic related um, uh, got into a big financial crisis several years ago. Again, that wasn't um, uh, athletic related. And when you're a school, like most schools, you're tuition driven, your, your income comes from tuition. And now when you have a pretty sizable debt that you got to take care of, um, you're looking for different ways. I really thought that the football program was untouchable. And um, uh, the, what I'm being told is that this is used just to balance the budget in the athletic department. So um, they did travel. When Azusa Pacific went to Division II, um, their first year uh, in Division II was in 2012, but it was a year or two in the making. The commitment was made to the football program that they were gonna fund them at a division two level. Otherwise, it would, you know, well, why would you go to that level and be one and nine, zero oh and 10, that kind of thing? And they weren't. And uh, under, under uh, Coach Santa Cruz, um, three out of four years, we won the GNAX uh, championship. Last year, previous year, we struggled at one and nine. The five home games, Matt, that we lost, APU had the ball on the last possession of the game to either tie or win the game, and we came up empty in all of them. Those things just happened. But getting back to the dropping of the football program, it just seems to me that there's other revenues. And, and again, I don't know what was done prior to the decision being made, but there's other revenues, that, that other ways that you could look without having to get rid of the football program. Mm -hmm. And I got onto the APU website and under the APU website, they have what they call the president's cabinet. And I'm going to probably shake a few trees right now, but there are nine vice presidents at Azusa Pacific University, and they canceled the football program. Wow. And um, I uh, would getting rid of one or two of those vice presidents um, save the program. No, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't save the, the financial issue. However, um, it would uh, show that that, you know, we're going to start at the top and, and, and really trim what's going down. There's no students on campus. Um, I'm positive that there's a decline in enrollment at Azusa Pacific where the revenue comes. So I know that they're hurting and I, I, I feel bad about that. And I don't know if they're going to come through it or not. I, I, I hope they do. But there's 85 kids on that roster, Matt, that 
um, uh, probably 40 of them that are on scholarship. Um, I've seen kids um, come to know Christ on that team. I've heard mm -hmm. some of those kids' testimonies. Uh, we had an assistant coach, Brian Wilmer, that was an ordained minister. I've seen kids baptized uh, on, on, uh, on, from that team. And um, those kids are no longer going to be on campus. They're no longer going to be there to, to uh, um, you know, spread that. Are they going to, again, like I mentioned earlier, be robbing 7-Elevens? Of course not. Most of those kids, and I know our current head coach, Rudy Carlton, I'm sure that he's trying right hard as we speak right now, trying hard to place these kids at other schools. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll, a lot of good athletes, that they'll be successful. It's a bad time now to be, try to be going to another school. But um, it just it, it, it just seemed uh, uh, like the thing we've been talking about, you know, the, the commitment, the, the pride and everything um uh is 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 gone right now and i i just really feel you know horrible about that well well apu football tracy you know as far as the san gabriel valley goes i mean think about it um everyone wants to go to usc or ucla or even san diego state right the local schools really to play division one football but outside of that um, a lot of the local kids, a lot of Glendora kids and a lot of, uh, you know, Laverne, San Dimas, Covina, a lot of those kids ended up looking to APU to play football when they were NAIA. Now that they're division two, I mean, you get a lot of local kids at that university and uh, it's, it's like that option is now taken away from kids. I mean, you want to play one double a, you got to go all the way up to San Luis Obispo. And, you know, I just think APU was, there, there's obviously a ton of division three programs uh, down here, but you know, APU was like the last good option for, for a lot of these kids. And now that's gone. And it wasn't like APU got a ton of students and, you know, fans at games, but it was still like this feel of uh, community in the Azusa Glendora area. Right. I mean, what, what, what is like the history of APU football? Like, if, well, you, you could, if you, you could, you know, it, it's 55 years. You know, we started in 1965, and I was looking at the website here, the, the you know, the other day, kind of being nostalgic. But the first year that uh, APU played football, um, some of the teams we played were the Occidental Freshman Team, um, <laughs> Caltech. Um, you know, those are the teams that, that we played. Um, but the the program evolved. And there's been some great men that have led this program. And one is a, a guy named Jim Milhan, who's still active, uh, as far as I know, with Azusa Pacific in, in his mid-80s, I believe, who was a longtime football coach. But, um, uh, you know, they stepped the program up at the NAI level. And we had a coach named Vic Sheely who started the program right now. He's the head coach at Houston Baptist. We won the NAI, we but the NAIA championship in 1998, and that's a national championship. It was really kind of really neat. But in 2018, they had a reunion of the 1998 championship team. And now you're looking at some guys that are 30 pounds overweight, bald head, gray hair. You know, they got little kids with them and all that other kind of stuff. And it was neat to see these, these guys Maybe they hadn't seen their ex-teammates in 10, 15 years, maybe even more, uh, and, and talking on the sidelines um, as, as, as if they hadn't missed a beat. And, and those are the things that just bonds them together. Um, some of them are teachers and coaches or lawyers or have their own companies. 
um, on there. And there was a really large turnout. Um, a, a, a real funny sidelight to that is, as at, at Citrus College, our home field, the team runs from the locker room across the field, being led by somebody carrying the flag. And, you know, they have the, the smoke coming out of the fire extinguishers and all that kind of stuff. Well, they did that with the uh, 98 team uh, that night on the reunion. And, you know, they're all in street clothes and they come running across the field and whoever was leading it, I don't know who it was, but he gets halfway across and he's yelling, trainer, trainer. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, you know, that's, that's a bond that, that, that you can't take away um, uh, on, on there. And um, uh, there was a, I was not in on it. I didn't want to interfere with it. But looking at social media, there was a group of former players who had a uh, online conversation with our athletic director, Gary Pine, I think it was this past Friday, as, as to bring us up to speed, tell us what's going on. I really don't know a whole lot of what came out of that meeting. Um, I, I do know that the athletic director there, Gary Pine, leads APU. He is absolutely a terrific guy. And I know this just pains him to know him. Yeah, I mean, he was on the NCAA Division II Football Selection Committee, I believe. And um, I mean, he took he took great pride in 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 the athletic program at APU. I mean, he's still there, as well as in particular APU football. And um, we shared a lot of private conversations about you know growth and everything. And so this thing just comes as a real total surprise. Absolutely, it's uh, it's terrible news. And again, back to kind of what we talked about with the high school stuff, uh, even bigger at the college level, some programs can't just take a year off, you know, just take the season off and see what happens next year. No, uh, you, you, there's a, a lot of funding that goes into the program. I mean, those, those football players and coaches that those expenses don't all just disappear just because you're not playing football. So uh, very sad to see. I mean, I mean, think about it, Tracy. Think of all these colleges out here that used to play football. I mean, Cal State Fullerton, Long Beach State, Cal Poly Pomona. Everybody, all these colleges used to play football. And you're like, oh, really? They used to have a football team? And now APU, I mean, years from now, we yeah. could be talking about that. Hey, remember when APU used to play football? It's just sad, man. Well, our rival uh, was Humboldt State. And Humboldt State, prior to the 2018 season, um, um, dropped football. They knew for a while they were going to drop it. They know, and I think I got the year right, but they knew that 2017 was going to be their last year. Um, they struggled because kids started leaving. And, you know, it, it, they say it's strictly a financial thing. But Humboldt State um, and APU were the only two NCAA Division II football schools in California. When Humboldt left, um, um, our closest league opponent, opponent was up in Oregon. And we, it was a four-team league. And so we played each other twice, once there, once away. And um, that's not the most optimal um, solution when you're talking about strength of schedule and so on and so forth. But, but now that conference called the GNAC, the Great Northwest Athletic Conference, um, you know, they haven't made any type of announcement, but there's only three teams left. I mean, that's a, that's, wow. this is affecting those teams where they're no longer, you can't have a, a conference with three teams. So... Um, that affects, you know, the decision is far and wide. Definitely. And, you know, it's like any other college. Some of these, 
there are people around the country that know Azusa Pacific University or they know some other university because of a specific sports team. And I'm not saying APU is this national brand or anything, but people have definitely heard of it. They definitely know, hey, where did Christian Okoya uh, go go to college? Oh, he went to a small school in California, Azusa Pacific University. I mean, football puts universities on the map a little bit, if not nationally, at least regionally. And so I just think it's a, it's a major mistake here by, by the college. I know there's a lot more issues uh, than you and I could, uh, you know, address, really speak about because we don't know all the details, but it's just uh, very unfortunate. And I thought, uh, you know, bringing you on to kind of give us some information about it would be uh, if you had, beneficial. But if you had to sum it up, Tracy, or uh, give me one or two, whatever, of uh, some of your favorite Azusa Pacific football memories. I know you were refereeing a lot of times, but if you could kind of, or, or if it's not even a specific moment, just something that you think about when you think of APU football, I'll leave it open to you. I worked a couple of them. I worked a game at Redlands. And when they were still NAIA and Pete Chinook was a coach, they had a quarterback and there was all American guy named Jack William Williams, who's now the head coach at Downey high school. But the final score was 55 to 52. Ooh. And um, it was, uh, we walked off the field at about 1120. And um, it, I mean, it's just, and I, again, I obviously I wasn't employed by AP at the time, but it was just an absolute great game. I had a little Toyota pickup truck and I knew that I was supposed to meet some guys in San Bernardino for a beer. I knew they'd, they'd be, they'd be long gone. So I'm driving home after the game and I just got cramped up and they had one of those little off the freeway, one of those little outlets. And I pulled over and I jumped out of the truck and I'm jumping up and down. I mean, my, cr- Oh God, it just killed me. Well, next thing I know there's a red light and a blue light shining right at me. So little Tracy had some explaining to do the, the higher patrol officer uh, on, on that one. But, you know, our, our coach, our third, I believe it was our third year, we needed to fill our schedule at APU. And Gary Pine got Grand Valley State, who was either the number one or two team in the country. Wow. Um, uh, we went to them the year before, got beat pretty good. And they came out here. ESPNU or somebody had it on the game. Had had the game on TV, and um, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, every Thursday before the game, the operations staff would meet. Coach Santa Cruz would be in on that meeting for a little bit, say what he had to say. Then he'd leave. He had to, he was busy. But we're talking to the ticket takers, to the you know all those type of people, and so the security says we, we're going to have people. You know, we have people at these uh, exits here, so so that nobody after the game comes on the field. And Coach Santa Cruz says. If we win this game, I want you to let everybody in the stands on the field. <laughs> and we won the game in overtime. And it's still, it's there's a picture. It was a picture in Coach Santa Cruz's office, I believe. But of the of the all the students storming the field, and you know, you would have thought it was Notre Dame beating Clemson here a couple of weeks ago or something yeah. like that. Um, um, but um, the 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 last one it does involve officials, and um, uh, you, you know, everybody says that maybe thinks on the outside that AP was kind of soft because they're a Christian school. They pray before games, they pray after practices, so on and so forth. We had a game and it was against Humboldt State. And my, my spot was on the 25 yard line right next to the team box. Connie and I would stand there every game, that was our spot. And so at the end of the half, we have the ball and um, we're going in for, for a score at the end of the half. 
And um, there was an obvious pass interference with an interception by Humboldt and there was no flag thrown. I mean, with my limited vision, I saw it. And, and it was, I mean, it was just a horrible no call. And coach Santa Cruz went running right by me and he's down at the 15 yard line. And I said, "Uh Oh, I need to get to work. And so I go running down to the 15 yard line. And I got in between coach Santa Cruz and the official who, you know, and um, I go, I go, coach, coach, look where you are. Look where you are. We got to go back. We got to go back. And coach Santa Cruz looked at the ground and saw the, where it was the 15. And so he turned around, he's walking backwards, just yelling at the official, just yell, never a cuss word, never a cuss word. I got him back. We finished the half. Coach Santa Cruz wanted to have a word with the officials. And I said, no, Victor, now's not a good time. Now's not a good time. <laughs> so I always walk the officials into the locker room. I wasn't able to do that because I'm taking, you know, trying to talk to Coach Santa Cruz. I beat him to come out on the field at the end of the second half. And the official says to me, thank you for getting Coach Santa Cruz back. Uh, you saved him a 15-yard penalty. And I looked at him and I said, John, after you hose that call, you'd have the audacity to flag my coach. And I had never done that before, never done that before. And he looked at me and he says, Tracy, look at it on film. I said, John, I saw it in real time. And uh, um, I don't need to look at the film. I saw it in real time. And, and Connie was right there with me. And afterwards, Connie goes, yeah, you handled that real well. <laughs> but uh, so it's it just, you know, a lot of memories and, and, and oh, stuff. Yeah. You can't start a program back up. It's almost impossible. You I probably know. have to jump through some NCAA hoops. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's high schools right now calling APU saying, hey, do you want to sell off, seriously sell off some of your equipment, whatever. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on some of these kids that, that, that were there and, um, you know, where they go and, and, and so on. Um, I'll probably have a conversation uh, at the end of the season with Coach Santa Cruz, who's now at the University of Hawaii, just to not only talk about this, but just to kind of connect again and, oh, yeah. and, and stuff. But it's still pretty raw. Well, you know, I've said this before on the program, no one's harder on officials than other officials. And you talked how most of us were better officials about 11 o'clock on a Friday night, uh, you know, either uh, saying what we would have done or whatever. I, I mean, it, there's a lot of truth to that. And yeah, when you get in that competitive environment, you know, we still have a little, little fire to us at times. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say a word. And yeah. then he said, he goes, <laughs> thanks for getting your coach. He, he almost cost him 15. I go, oh, okay. Okay. You know, now the gloves are off. I didn't knock on the door. You did. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one final APU thing, uh, Tracy, um, you know, I know uh, many people may not know this, but Jackie Slater uh, is, or at least was the offensive line coach at Azusa Pacific university and uh, legendary offensive lineman hall of famer uh, played with the Los Angeles Rams for many years uh, before they left uh, St. Louis and everything. And, uh, what has been your interaction with someone like Jackie Slater, uh, kind of an NFL legend? We see him on TV also, you know, with uh, what is it, CBS, I think. Um, but what is what is Jackie Slater like in, in the few times you've met him or talked to him? Not a nicer guy around. And I had the opportunity to be around him. And I would be in on during the summer camp in on a couple of coaches meetings a year. Um, talking about with the coaches about the rule changes and what they mean. And so he knew who I was. 
And he might've thought my name was Terry and forgot that it was Tracy, but he knew I was around the program. So he'd always say, he'd always say hi. He'd always, you know, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Thanks for being here. You know, as he's walking out on the practice field when I, when I would be there and it was during spring ball. And if you remember, we, we always had spring ball over at the soccer complex. Yeah. And, um, he was walking out uh, for a spring practice and he comes by and puts his arm around me and goes, Hey, good to see you another year and all this kind of stuff. And uh, um, he says, uh, I told him, I said, Hey, you were my favorite Ram. And I go, number 75, uh, 70, 78, right? 78. 78. And um, so he goes, Oh, thank you very much. And he started to, to walk away. And I go, Charles D. Journey, number 70, couldn't hold your jock. And he turned on his heels and he came back with a big old smile. And we sat there and talked about Ram games because we had season tickets at Anaheim Stadium. We sat behind the first base dugout in the cheap seats and, and that kind of thing. And we sat there and talked about officiating in the NFL. We talked, and they're getting ready to start practice. And he hollers out to a graduate assistant. He goes, hey, run them through the drills. And so we're still sitting there talking. <laughs> and, and you're a Ram guy. And um, uh, I said, I go, I even remember Bill Bain and um, get, getting called four times in a game for illegal formation because he wasn't on the line of scrimmage. And he said, I was, I remember that. And, and, and he goes, that referee. And I stopped and I, I told him, I go, that referee was Ben Dreyf. And we sit there and talked. We had trivia. We had all that kind of stuff. And from that day forward, he would always, even in game days, he'd come by when I'd be waiting to talk to coach Santa Cruz, he'd walk out of his way and sh shake my hand and, and uh, all, all sorts of stuff. He, he was great with the kids. And, and I learned so much just standing near him where the offensive lineman would be in the team box. Just, he, he would call out the plays of what, of, of what the opposing team was going to be doing. And he just got so much on his plate where he couldn't do anymore. So the last year, 19, he, he wasn't with us, but he, he got his master's degree at Azusa Pacific. He gave a commencement speech, Matt, and I know I'm rambling here, but he gave a commencement speech several years ago at APU where there was non-football kids, I think, that wanted to go out and play football. And it wasn't all about football. It was about life. Sure. And it was talking about where he came from in the Deep South and how the NFL scout came to see another player, and then they saw him and how he got drafted. And so, um, wow. um, and a really really strong Christian. Mm -hmm. I, I, I met him one time and it was at a scrimmage and he was, I was just in awe and we were refereeing the, the scrimmage and he was like, guys, he's, he's any little hold you see, call it, call it on my guys, call it. I, I want it, I want it called so that they, they learn because we, we can't have any holding during the regular season. I'm just like, I think I said something like, Jackie, you never held one time in your life, did you? <laughs> he was like, nope, never did it. Never, never held. Was flagged yeah, for it, but I never held. He would say, we don't coach that. Yep. We do it, but we don't coach it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man, just a, just a true gentleman and a classy individual. So uh, one of the legendary Rams. Uh, well, Tracy, a few more things about college football. First of all, uh, it was conference championship weekend. Um, uh, there were some surprises. There were some uh, not-so-surprises. Uh, We'll talk about the college football playoff in a second, but one of the big surprises of the very short season was the Mountain West Conference. San Jose State, who has not been that great in recent history, they went undefeated. They beat Boise State in the, in the conference championship. Um, 
I know you worked in the big West uh, back in the day, uh, which is, you know, it's a lot of schools that are in the whack when the whack was playing football. Right. I, I think, you know, San Jose state winning the mountain West. I think that's, that's so cool. Good for them. Um, good to see a champion in the state of California, we'll say. Uh, and uh, yeah. I, I'm really happy for them. I mean, Mountain West football, God bless them. They, they, they played. I mean, what are your thoughts on San Jose State winning uh, the Mountain West championship? You know, I watched them a couple of times, and I did watch them against Boise State in the Mountain West Conference championship, and they out-physical Boise State. I mean, yeah. they, do, they don't make mistakes. They play fundamental football, and, and that, that coach there could be a hot commodity. Show you how crazy a year of it, it, it is. In the state of New Mexico, there's a 14-day quarantine. If you leave and come back, there's a 14-day quarantine. So University of New Mexico, for seven weeks, set up roots in Lake Las Vegas here. They played all of their home games at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas, which is kind of weird. The last couple of weeks for San Jose State, as you, you recall, they had a no-contact uh, rule in Santa Clara County, I believe it was, where San Jose State is from. So they set up shop in, in Las Vegas for their last two games. And um, uh, so their last regular season home game against the University of Nevada was at Sam Boyd Stadium, which was supposed to be closed uh, in Las Vegas. And then, you know, they, they beat a very good Nevada team to advance to the Mountain West Conference Championship at Sam Boyd Stadium in Las Vegas. It was a San Jose home game. And um, it's going to be interesting to see them play against Ball State because they just don't make mistakes. And I would expect that that, that football coach, if he wants to go somewhere else, um, that um, uh, he's going to have an opportunity to do so because they really beat up a, a, a pretty good Boise State football team. Yeah, they really did. I mean, Boise's been kind of the, the class of the conference for a long time and just happy to see San Jose State, even a short season, uh, come out victorious. Um, very, very good win for their program and they're headed in the right direction. Uh, we can't talk uh, college football in California without mentioning USC. Um, they looked flat against Oregon. I don't know how, I don't want to hear excuses about how, well, they didn't know the opponent until a few days before, uh, blah, blah, blah. It's nothing but excuses out of the USC program, it seems like. And once again, a big game, big stage, they just come out and they lose, let's be honest, to a team that wasn't as good as them. And USC for their brand, they want their brand to be this so blue blood, this, and one of the, you know, proud traditions. I, I think it's gone, Tracy. I really do. I don't try to, I'm not trying to overreact here, but USC is not USC anymore. And I know Michigan's going through some similar things too, or whatever, but USC, not only do they lose the, the PAC 12 championship game, whatever, to a three and two team, but then they turn around and they decline a bowl invitation. Do I care that they're not playing in the Alamo Bowl or whatever? Not really. But to say you're a premier program in America and to be turning down a bowl invitation because you're just tired of the season and COVID or whatever, uh, that's an embarrassment. So what are your thoughts overall on USC? Oh, I think you said it really, really well. The, um, the, the typical uh, USC thing during the season, and if you remember, um, the very first game against Arizona State, all the times they had the ball in the, in the red zone inside the 10 yard line and came away with threes and they were so predictable. And it happened again, uh, uh, Friday night against Oregon, but you know, run up the middle, run up the middle, incomplete pass field goal. And what gets them down the field is a, is the pass. 
Um, they had absolutely no running game the entire year. They had no running game. And, and I think it's just because um, it, it certainly looked like every defensive line that went against USC was bigger than USC's offensive line. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that's where the problem is. But um, I think Chip Helton is a really good person. I truly do. I don't think he's the right man for the job. Um, and I don't look at USC as being a very attractive job. I really don't. No. Why would an Urban Meyer want to come to a USC uh, uh, on there? And um, I, I just thought, I think Slovis is somewhat overrated. <laughs> um, they got that, oh, I can't think of the kid's name, but I think it's from Corona Centennial, that quarterback that might be leaning. He's going to announce here in a week of where he's going to go to school. Is it Drake? But um, anyway, uh, um, they're, they're lacking you know, uh, a quarterback. JT Daniels got a lot of playing time at Georgia. Mm-hmm. I think he could have done some good things uh, had he stayed at USC. But um, uh, I, they're, they're a very predictable offense. They lack discipline at times, big penalties, sustained drives for the other team. Uh, you, you just can't do that. And um, I think that UCLA was a better team. I think that Oregon was a better team. Uh, I think they were fortunate to be 5-0, 6-0, whatever they were going into the championship game. Uh, but then how can you – when on Monday you don't even know who you're going to play in the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just, that's just absolutely nuts. Hey, do we have any volunteers that want to go down to Los Angeles? You know, uh, <laughs> well, the Pac-12 is a dumpster fire. I mean, the entire conference is. is a joke. It is. I, I think Colorado and Oregon are the only two teams playing. Oh, in the, in the bowl? Well, well yeah, they, they turned down the bowl. Like, what? Be, okay, look, it, I understand they're college kids. They haven't seen their families. They're in isolation or whatever. I mean, get in line, Tracy. There's plenty of people in 2020 who are, are having to do things that is a little frustrating or annoying or, or is costing them money or whatever. Like, this, this idea that the college kids are the only ones who are going through a tough time in 2020 is ridiculous. Well, they're in, they're, they're safe because they're in a bubble. Nobody else is on campus. Um, so if they don't want to play, then the athletic director should say, we respect your decision. Can you give your dad a call and tell us to send us a $75,000 check for tuition um, for, for those kids that are on scholarship? Yeah. Um, there should be some, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I don't want to sound real bad, but it's kind of like the in- inmates are running the asylum. And, um, you know, there's, there's, uh, kids that are openly criticizing their coaches who have lost their jobs uh, at the college level. Uh, and, and I kind of blame, you know, ESPN and whatnot for throwing out all that kind of money, uh, you know, uh, at, uh, at these schools, you know, for the, for TV. Um, if they didn't, you know, things might be a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I think they've oversaturated it. But. Yeah. I mean, Think of, think of all the people that live and die USC football. I mean, it's a big brand here in California and, and, and you got alumni, you got boosters, you got uh, donors and all this stuff. People, I mean, if, if I had a bunch of money that I was donating to the program every year or season, t- whatever the case is, I, I would be very hesitant and be like, wait a minute, you're not going to a bowl game. Like you, you, you're choosing not to like, I don't know how much of my money should be in your pockets. Now, maybe I should keep it like, yeah, I just don't think the commitment level is there. No, Overall. I think that that even maybe on Friday night they were looking forward to the end of their season. I, yeah, I know, um, I know. 
I truly think that USC probably, even if they had won the game, because they weren't going to be in the playoffs, probably would have declined a bowl invitation. Yeah. Uh, win, win or lose, I think that decision uh, um, was pretty well cemented. Uh, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, on there. And, you know, I'm glad to see that Oregon's going to play. I'm glad to see that Colorado is going to play. Um, you know, UCLA and USC, why don't they play again on New Year's Eve? You know, go ahead and, and play over at El Camino College. Yeah, that'd be, that would be awesome. You know? Why not? Uh, I, I think that would be a, a good game. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, all, it's all crazy. Um, this morning I was listening to the coach of, of, of Army. They're nine and two and they can't get a bowl game because the Independence Bowl, because of contractual commitments, cannot fill the game. Army's nine and two. One of the not best get records into the they've bowl. ever had. And that coach hustled during during the season to get opponents. I mean, he played B. Well, no, BYU game got canceled with Army mm-hmm. um, on there. And the kicker is, all you need to know about this year's college football s- season is the New Mexico Bowl between Hawaii and Houston is going to be played in Frisco, Texas. <laughs> and um, that's just that's just absurd. Just well, really. well, you know, there's plenty of absurdity that's gone around and. Uh, we talked about the Pac-12, what a, what a just they're just not they're not committed at all. I'm sorry, and, and something else that's a joke that happened here in California. Very sad to see, but I totally get it. Is the college football committee has moved the national semifinal, one of the college football playoff games, from the Rose Bowl to Texas to Dallas. And Tracy, you, you've been on the sidelines of the Rose Bowl many different times. I know there's probably not a better site in all of sports than the, the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. Um, uh, California, for all their restrictions, all their non-fan policies, and all of this, uh, this nonsense that we have in California, it's not like this game isn't going to get played. They're saying, well, this game, it can't have fans. Okay, they're going to move the game to Texas, and they are going to have fans. So what are your thoughts on California losing the Rose Bowl? I mean, especially all the revenue that Pasadena is going to lose now? Here's, here's what is really, um, what, what I'm really thinking about is the fact that the college football committee, a uh, bowl committee is, I think is kind of vindictive sometimes. And um, I could see the Rose Bowl being taken out of the rotation for the college football championship. I really do. I mean, I don't know when they're up next. I know since we've gone to the playoffs, the Rose Bowl has not hosted the championship game. Um, I think that maybe they're due. I think they had it previously, the semifinal when Baker Mayfield was with Oklahoma, I believe. Um, but uh, uh, that's, that's a shame. Um, and you can just see Jerry Jones, you know, uh, uh, after this is over, just really lobbying the committee. Hey, we took care of you folks. We took care of you folks. And the Rose Bowl being left out. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no better place. Um, if you're one of the 93,000 people sitting in the stands at, 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 at the Rose Bowl, it is kind of uncomfortable, but you know, uh, the infrastructure, of the Rose Bowl probably isn't what it uh, up to snuff with these other ones, but I was reading it. The, you know, the Rose Bowl seats 93,000 people. They have 50 luxury suites that they built a couple of years ago. The only thing they wanted is for the 75 players on each team or whatever it is to be able to have say four, four family members at each game. That's what maybe less, we're talking less than a thousand people. And they can't find uh, uh, where they can spread those people at the Rose Bowl, a, a safe distance. 
Yeah. Um, that's that said, the, the, the governor of California just doesn't care. He doesn't, he doesn't care. No, he doesn't. You're 100 percent right about that. He does not care. He's all about himself. And, and again, preaching in the name of safety. He doesn't care. He doesn't care that the city, I mean, Pasadena, the Tournament of Roses, they canceled the parade and everything too and blah, blah, blah. You know, uh, so much, especially when those the, the, the Rose Bowl is a, a national playoff game or a title game. I mean, that's big time money. And and to, to not, it's always special, you know, after Christmas, Christmas time, as you see all the teams start to come in. And Tracy, you've been on the sidelines for a few big Rose Bowl games and a couple of them, or maybe one of them at least was a national championship, right? So, I mean, being there, you, you didn't you didn't have a seat. You weren't in the stands. You were standing on the sideline with either a clipboard or yeah. a piece of the chains or something. I mean, can you imagine? I, mean, I can't even wrap my head around it that, that they're not going to play a Rose Bowl game this year in Pasadena. It's ridiculous. No, and they had that game already was set to start at two o'clock in the afternoon, and they could put the blimp in the sky and show the mountains, and then the sunset as the game's ending, and all that kind of stuff. And you can't do that at the Sugar Bowl or anything like that. They would do that every year, every year. And and I remember watching the game with my dad, who would say, "Oh, there's going to be now ten thousand people moving to California uh, because of this, because they're in the snow right now, and and the, and the whole bit." And it's just. Um, um, yep, I, yep. I'm I'm just afraid that that the Rose Bowl as we know it um, might might not ever be the same. It's first of all, it's an antiquated contract with the uh, Big Ten and the and, and the and the Pac-12 um, because we would have had Northwestern play in Oregon in the Rose Bowl. Um, I don't think that's gonna uh, <laughs> you, you know too many people are gonna uh, spend you know, their paychecks to, to, to see that. So, uh, um, um, yeah, this is almost kind of like a reboot when it, when we go to 2021 to see what things are going to, um, be like, oh, and I think I heard this morning that that 14 concept is in, in place until 2026. Oh. And, um, that's, uh, that's too bad. But Matt, even if they opened that up to an 18 playoff, I still think I see, Cincinnati's not coming if they had if they had eight teams, because you're going to get Oklahoma, you're going to get uh, Florida, you're get, you know uh, um, teams in there before an undefeated Cincinnati gets in there. Yeah, uh, I understand that. I just wish with with the college football playoffs, uh, and hope, I just wish there was concrete, like, hey, if this, if if this happens, you're in. Hey, if you win your conference, you're in. Now have a few at large spots also in case you know Alabama gets beaten in a championship game or something. But I wish there was just like in the NFL. Hey, even though your division is terrible, you win your division, you're in the playoffs. Like, I, I understand people don't want to watch, uh, you know, Toledo or whoever in the in the in the playoffs. Uh, so maybe those conferences don't get in or whatever. But I, I do wish it, there was just some concrete. Hey, you do this. Hey, sorry, you oh, have yeah. one loss. You know. Um, well, speaking of the playoff, Tracy, kind of our last college football thing. Do, do you think the committee got it right in the four teams? Do you think Texas A&M has a gripe or, or maybe anybody else, or, or are these the four best teams in the country by far? Well, they obviously did not want Texas A&M playing Alabama. You know, that's been done and it wasn't pretty. So I think they definitely wanted to avoid that. But I think with Alabama playing Notre Dame, you, you could have that, that situation pop up again, uh, where the game is kind of a, uh, an ugly game, if you will. Um, on, on there. 
Um, I don't think they got it right. Watching the games on Saturday, I think Clemson's number one. I think Alabama's number two. And after that, the best team I saw on um, Saturday was Oklahoma. Now, of course, they stepped on their toes early in the season and lost two games. Um, so that, that hurt. But I thought Oklahoma um, was a top four team from what I saw on Saturday. Were they going to get in? No, they weren't going to get in. Um, but then you look what, what, uh, what would have happened if Florida didn't get beat by LSU two weeks ago and has that 52 to 46 game against Alabama, um, you know, and if that's the only blemish on their record, um, Notre Dame might have been, uh, uh, you know, on the short stick on that one because I think Florida's a better team than Notre Dame. I think Florida's probably a better team than, than Ohio State. Uh, Ohio State was not impressive on Saturday. They no, just won. no, they didn't show up ready to play. Uh, Northwestern played hard. Yeah, and, and, and I think field. Justin Field, they did. And Justin Field, his, you know, his star isn't as bright as it, as it was. I mean, maybe he's mm-hmm. an NFL quarterback. He certainly did. I hear right that at one point he was four out of seventeen or something like that. Uh, that may be right. Yeah, I, I got to double check that. But but I mean, anyway, I mean, it was just was not a uh, a top top four of performance. But I would have had Oklahoma in there, and and uh, I think uh, an Oklahoma uh, and a Florida in there. I mean, I'd love to see that if that Alabama Florida game comes back on TV on ESPN Classics today. I'm watching it. Um, I mean, that was a great ball game. Yeah. Um, but I think we have the possibility of having two semifinals that could be, um, you know, a, a one-sided affair. I say let's cancel all the bowl games and put Alabama Clemson New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl. Uh, um, <laughs> it's all that matters. Yeah. And 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 open the gates up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I, 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 to your point, yeah, sometimes, hey, a two-loss team, it looks better in December than a, a zero-loss team. And that's why I wish there was just, okay, Oklahoma, you won the Big 12, you're in the playoff. Alabama, you won the SEC, you're in the playoff. Uh, you, you, sure, you can have an at-large in there as well. Um, but I just, man, I, I wish it would expand. Maybe eight is not the answer. And sure, maybe nine and ten, they, they complain. But I think – it would sure be nice to have a concrete playoff. Hey, if you do this, you're in. Uh, that way, everyone's got an opportunity. Um, I'm not saying life is fair, but uh, college football, it, it would be nice to see some expansion there. Um, Tracy, now on to you know the, the oh the, go ahead the the, the pack. Let me real quick. The Pac-12 is a benefactor in this playoffs. Did you know that? Yes. How so? Because uh, they're officiating this. they never get a team in the final four and you got to have uh uh neutral officials so there i I look for the pac-12 to get an assignment in the um semifinals uh they had the national championship last year they had the national championship was it two years earlier and um they won't get the national championship this year but the sec gets screwed every year as far as officiating goes yeah because they can't put their guys you know uh um in there but you know what? Maybe they'll get the Midas Muffler Bowl this year with the uh, Ball State. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, some some uh, you know the New Mexico, the New Mexico, the Arizona Bowl being played in another state or whatever the you know whatever bowl game. That's yeah. a beautiful part of Christmas time is you got some eggnog and watch them random uh, bowl games in the middle of the week. While the Rose Bowl sits empty. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, well they can have a, they can have a swap meet there New Year's Day. I guess. <laughs> I oh, Tracy, I sound like Bill Barnes, don't I? 
Oh, you do. You sure do. Yeah, you guys are from the same cloth. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Well, on to the NFL, and uh, there's plenty of, of things and topics here. Um, I'll get to the Rams in a second, but the I heard a joke on Thursday night last week when the Raiders lost to the L.A. Chargers. Um, pretty funny. You know, that Allegiant Stadium is a gorgeous venue. I hope to take a tour of it someday or see a game there. Um, but what I heard after the Raiders lost to the Chargers was – Allegiant Stadium is the only place in Vegas where the house loses. <laughs> I don't know if, if, if it's as funny as I thought it was, but I no, no. that is spectacular. <laughs> no. Um, you know, local people around here have really taken to the Raiders and, and they're being vocal like the Raiders have been here for 10 years. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so, but you're, I, I like that. I will, I will, I will use that. Uh, <laughs> I know you will. You've never used one of my jokes before, have you? I, you know, I, it's. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I can work this in. You know, but I was thinking when I took the dog out for a walk this morning of a joke that I could use, but I just can't think of any. Can you? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> another, another show, another show. Hey, you, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and you see me on the street, tug me on the ear, and I'll tell you what the joke is. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's not record that. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so the NFL, okay, so the Raiders, whatever, they started off as a contender. I think they're a pretender. Um, the Los Angeles Rams, Tracy, we're recording Monday morning, the day after, what I consider one of the worst losses in L.A. Rams history, and that is saying something. They lost to the 0-13 Jets at home. Uh, when the Rams are in a playoff hunt uh, trying to get a, a top seed, um, I've seen a lot of Rams losses, Tracy, a lot of losses. This one to yep. me takes the cake as the worst one. I, 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 you, you know, Rams history more than me. I mean, what, wh what do you make of that game on Sunday? It's so frustrating when, when you hold your own destiny, Oh, you know, I mean, they, they held their own destiny. There was still a chance that the Rams could have finished with the best record. I mean, New Orleans got mm -hmm. beat yesterday and, you know, you get that, that first round by, maybe that's important, maybe it's not. And I saw, I was following your post yesterday and I know how frustrated you were. I'm still a Sean McVay believer. And as I know you are, yes. but I, I, I just, you know, they played, I think the, the Miami game earlier in the season, the Rams played up to their uh, level. And Miami's come on, you know, pretty strong since then. Yeah. But two losses to the 49ers. Um, they beat Tampa. They beat Philadelphia when people thought Philadelphia was a contender mm -hmm. um, on the road. And and so it just, I just, I, I saw the offensive line just looked weak yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't seen that before. And so I don't know. I It, it was just puzzling. Just yeah. puzzling. But I kept thinking, probably like you, I kept on thinking, all right, they're going to pour it out, you know, uh, come back. When it got to be, I think it was 20 to three to start it right into the third quarter. Yeah. I thought, uh-oh, <laughs> uh-oh. Because Darnold was getting some time. Mm -hmm. He wasn't trying to, you know, get over his skis. He did what he needed to do. And I just, I guess they went through the motions. I don't, I don't know. I, I was impressed with the Jets. For them to play hard and to show up when they are 0-13, that that speaks a lot about them. I think there's some there's clearly some veterans in that locker room who said, "Hey, we're professionals. We're playing a football game instead of just coasting uh, to the end for this Trevor Lawrence kid." I mean, they played hard, and do they want to be one and 
13. I don't think anybody wants to, but you've been around enough bad teams, teams that are winless even to be like, okay, they're just, they're phoning it in. But the Jets didn't do that yesterday. I give them credit. Well, you know, Adam Gase is, he's dead men walking. He knows yes. he's gone. Yes. So he doesn't, he doesn't care about Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> so um, he's going to try to try to win out and, uh, you know, maybe uh, give him the proverbial finger on his way out. And um, um, I, I, I said, I really like him. They got out coached yesterday. Yeah, they did. And that doesn't happen very much with the Rams. No, it certainly did um, on uh, uh, yesterday's game, but that didn't happen very often. Um, and, but it just seemed just flat from the get go, just because mm-hmm. the Jets moved the ball down the field pretty well uh, that first drive. And I thought, don't give him any life. Don't give him any life. And 17 and a half point favorite. Oh my gosh. Um, that was just absurd in any game. Too many yeah. points. Yeah. I was too, like, too, too many points. And now, that being said, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but if, if the Rams went out and beat Seattle this week, the Rams are back in the lead in the NFC West. Is it because they'll have the tiebreaker? Is that correct? They, they, Seattle is 10 and four. The Rams are nine and five. So if the Rams go to Seattle and beat them, um, they will have the tiebreaker with both wins over Seattle. They'll be the same record. But if Seattle wins, uh, they will be NFC West champs because they will now go to 11 wins um, and the Rams will have nine still with only one game to play. So um, the Rams still technically control their destiny as far as the NFC West goes, but they have two very difficult games at Seattle and then host Arizona. Arizona is going to be playing uh, on that last game of the season because they want to guarantee themselves a playoff spot. They're going to be playing for a playoff spot, trying to get that seven seed. Um, the, the Rams, it's funny, Tracy, they could win the NFC West. They could also miss the playoffs, which is crazy to think about, but they have two very difficult opponents coming up here. Um, they better show up in at least one of these games. And uh, my preference would be the Seattle game, but I, well, I, and they've had some success in, in, in Seattle. They lost was it two years ago on a missed field goal at the end of the game. Yeah. With, uh, but I want to see how the Rams respond. Cause I look at this as a must win game. Yeah. And I want to see how the Rams win in a must win game. And um, because it is, it is a must. If you're the best wild card team, you're going to play the, if I'm correct, you're going to play the NFC East in the playoffs. So you're going to Dallas plays Philadelphia and the giants. If Dallas wins out, Dallas wins the uh, NFC East. Um, I heard this morning. God, I'd love to play the Cowboys in the first round of the playoffs, <laughs> but I also want to win the NFC West. <laughs> so, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you got you got to win the division, man, to to get yourself a, a home game. And um, ah, man, now the pressure's on. I think you had a kind of a gimme win on Sunday with the Jets, and you blew it. And now you might not get ten wins. You 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 no. might. And, and the NFC is loaded, man. It's loaded, and um, well, so is the AFC. But uh, who do you like, Tracy? As far as we, we know the standings and everything, but as far as the NFC goes, I think if Green Bay gets home field advantage, uh, they, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not because there's no, you know, most, most people don't have fans there, but the weather in January going to Green Bay uh, with no fans there, it's going to be eerie. If Green Bay gets the top seed, I think they're a heavy favorite to go to the Super Bowl, specifically because of the weather. Well, Devontae Adams is a real deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, he has had a chip on his shoulder since the NFL draft. And 
Um, he's telling that quarterback on the sidelines from Utah State, um, here, hold my helmet. Um, and he is, he, for his age, I think, I think he's doing better than Brady did because Brady was surrounded by a whole lot better team at New England than, than Rodgers is right now at Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is pretty good. And you know, there was a rocky relationship with Matt LaFleur and, and, and Brady, to, I mean, Rodgers to begin with. Not anymore. I think they're on the same page. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think the team that is going to have an early out is going to be the Saints. Um, Again? I, I, I just don't. Um, I, I, they're, they're missing something. And I'm not, it's not exactly. Maybe it's the, just they can't win that big game. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know uh, uh, on there. And, and again, back to the Rams, I think the Rams are a team. I, I mean, I, I think they're in a, in a, even after the loss, they're in a really good position. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're somewhat healthy. Whitworth is supposed to be back here soon, but they're somewhat healthy, healthier than some of the other teams. And golf has answered the bell on a lot of big games. Mm-hmm. He has stunk up the place on some against the 49ers and stuff like that. So, um, you, but you're right. The NFC, I, I, I think if, if Washington gets in the playoffs, you, you know, whoever plays Washington, if they get in, they're, they're going to have to play well. Um, yeah, it's a nasty defense, really uh, nasty defense. Uh, so it, it, it's it's going to be, uh, I'm looking forward to the, the, the NFC um afc i think it's kansas city and a bunch of other teams yeah um, no doubt um on, on there and uh i was hoping that the raiders would get a crack at at kansas city again when it counts you know they play them <laughs> in the last week of the season and uh, mahomes will probably won't be playing in that game yeah uh, um, but yeah as far as the nfl goes it's a great it's a great time of year um so yes, Christmas season, playoff time approaching, a lot of good things. Uh, I, I will say this about the Rams: I think they can beat anybody. I really do believe. I, I'm a firm believer they can beat anyone. Um, but as we saw on Sunday, they can lose to anyone, and that's part of what makes the NFL great. Um, I think the Rams have lost games when they were expected to win, kind of a thing. But when they're when they're kind of back against the wall, you know, that's kind of when they do their best too. They they show up. So I'm hoping for. Uh, some good things here at the end of December. And if not, Hey, we got to wait till next year for, for, for uh, the good team. No, no, don't even talk like that. Um, <laughs> I think that, that. Is that uh, Roger Goodell? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's uh, Sean McVay saying, Hey, we're going to do okay. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, uh, I, I, I think the Rams are going to do okay. And I think that they're going to find a way to unleash Aaron Donald. Um, yeah. And if they're going to continue to double team them, it's going to open up some stuff for, for, for some of these other guys, Matt, that guy that was playing over the center for the, for the jets. Oh, oh he was in the Ram backfield the whole game. Uh, the whole, he knew the snap count. He knew the plays. I mean, yeah. he was, he was, he was monster. Um, I can't think of his name right now, but I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that the jets hadn't won a game going into into that. Yeah. Um, no, you're, no, you're right. They've lost some close ones for sure. Uh, well, well, Tracy, I could talk Rams football with you all day, high school football, uh, college football. Uh, but, you know, one of the crazy things that happened in 2020 is, is I got a job. And I know for years you've told me, hey, hey, Matt, got to get a job, get a job, get a job. Uh, or, or you can work a lot of football. And I did. I officiated. But, man, I, I got I to get going here soon because this whole J-O-B thing 
is uh, is very different, still new for me. I mean, you you were encouraging me for years. I finally took the leap at 35 years old to get uh, that whole regular job thing. Well, I mean, I've never been prouder of you, and I've always been proud of you, but this was <laughs> even more. And I remember when um, Sam got you a job and you worked there, for, was it three days? Four days, four days. Four Monday days. Through. And I know my question is, did you cash him out on sick time and vacation? But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, when, when I when I heard that you had got a job and, and I mentioned it to a couple of friends in our group and, and you know, they, they said, don't, don't, don't mess with me. That's, that can't be true. And uh, so... Uh, I, I, I think I think that's that, that's pretty good. How, how do you feel after what a couple months? How do you feel? Oh, it's it's been great. I've enjoyed it. It's uh, some days are the same. Some days, are, you know, there's always something new. Uh, it's 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 physical. It's also you know the mental side of things, like staying organized. So it, it suits me well. Uh, driving trucks is fun. Getting packages. You know that the package is important to somebody, right? So. Um, no, it's been fun. You feel productive. I, I much prefer, you know, uh, running around a football field and everything, but someone else is going to have to referee those seventh grade flag football games or those junior all Americans, or even those, uh, those Thursday afternoon games, uh, because well, I'll tell you what, I thought you were working at Cedar Sinai in the nuclear medicine department. <laughs> no. Now somebody told me wrong here. <laughs> Cedar Sinai. Somebody told me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, there, there will, I will make one exception. I'll, I'll use one of my uh, non-sick days I have to, to, to do this. Uh, if, if there is a, I'll tell you what, if you come out of retirement and work a JV game, uh, then, then I will do it with you. And uh, maybe we'll donate our checks to Paula even like we usually did. Um, I will be there. I'm not donating checks at all anymore. <laughs> well, um, we won't donate, but we'll, we'll, we'll sign it over so that she can bring us some refreshments. How's that? I remember when I, absolutely, I remember when I told Lou Farrar, God bless him, uh, that um, I had bad vision and I was getting off the field and he wanted to know if I had it uh, 12 years earlier in the Los Santos game with John Roque. Um, so, uh, but. Uh, oh man, good stuff. <laughs> well, Tracy, it's always a pleasure. I look forward to chatting with you again. We, we'll have you back on here, maybe for some playoff talk here in the near future. Um, it's been a while. All the best to the family. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, please have a wonderful say. Have a few uh, extra beers, will you, on Christmas Day? Uh, this will be released Christmas Day. So maybe when you're listening to this and you've asked Connie, if there's anything else she needs done and she says, gives you the go ahead. You can listen to the Get Home Safe podcast and uh, have a few beers. Well, I have a refrigerator in the garage and there's not much in it besides beer. So that's a, um, a good deal. But um no, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I uh, appreciate you having me on and, and and I'll guarantee you that 2021 is going to be better than 2020. Amen to that, my friend. Hard to, uh, <laughs> it'll be hard not to. So looking forward to, uh, yeah, a new year for sure. Tracy, it was a blast. Uh, next time we'll try to talk a little longer, huh? I don't, how long did we talk? <laughs> this is like an hour and a half. Almost. Oh Lord. Yeah. It'll and be I didn't go to the bathroom. no. <laughs> No, I really sound like Bill Barnes. <laughs> oh, you're the worst. He's the worst. Whatever. Anyway, Merry Christmas, Tracy. We will talk to you again soon. Take care, my friend.
Well, that was a lot of fun to record an episode for you guys on Christmas Day. Have it out there for you, that is, uh, with Tracy McFate. A lot of fun. Thank you so much, Tracy, for filling us in your thoughts on Christmas Day, uh, high school, college, NFL football. I can't think of a better way to ring in the uh, Christmas Day celebration. So, Tracy, if you're listening to this, I'm sure by now you've switched from your coffee to maybe a Corona or uh, a Blue Moon, a Hefeweizen. I don't know what your drink of choice is on Christmas morning, Christmas Day. But uh, cheers, my friend. You've earned it. My best to Connie, Ryan, and uh, your daughter, Katie. Uh, Merry Christmas to the McFate family. And I appreciate your thoughts and your kind words, my friends. So uh, enjoy your celebration. And yeah, let's get to that year 2021 real, real quick. Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode of our podcast. I know it's Christmas Day when this podcast was released, and I'm sure most of you will probably listen to this a few days later. But Merry Christmas to everyone out there. I've said it all week. Uh, I won't say too, it too much more since this is Christmas Day and all. But seriously, from the bottom of my heart, uh, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. It's a special day. It's one that I look forward to every single year, and it, it comes and goes so quickly, uh, even though the buildup to it. Uh, seems to be a little little longer and you know every year 11 months fly by and it's like oh it's christmas time again so uh anyway merry christmas guys uh it's been so much fun and i really appreciate you guys continuing to listen to this podcast as you're well aware there's plenty of ways to uh, follow the podcast our twitter handle is get home safe pod our facebook and instagram page is get home safe podcast and our email address is get home safe podcast at yahoo.com we would love to hear from you just like you hear from us mondays wednesdays and fridays uh we have some more great shows ahead next week our final shows of the year 2020 uh, as we head into 2021 we will have a, a sports recap on monday probably with my brother sam hersema we will also have an episode with Bill Barnes on Wednesday and then a special guest on Friday that we are working on right now. That's the same schedule as uh, the past few weeks and uh, just kind of keep you guys notified of, of all those things upcoming. I know Bill is excited about potentially doing a podcast with some other people. So we're interested in recording a podcast, a Zoom podcast with some of the loyal listeners out there you know who you are i've reached out to a few of you if you're interested let me know we were thinking maybe a sunday evening where we could throw together a zoom uh it would pretty much be me and bill and then if you guys have questions or you guys want to comment almost like a round table i think that would be a lot of fun so we're looking to, to do that early and sometime in 2021 after all these holidays and everything are done with um so if you're interested reach out to me let me know and we'll try to make it happen here uh, as we move forward with some of our technology here on the Get Home Safe podcast. Guys, that's enough out of me. Merry Christmas to all. It's been a long show, a long, fun interview with Tracy. I will get out of your way, let you continue opening presents or uh, having a second and third helping of the Christmas season, whatever the case may be. Merry Christmas to all, to all a good night. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounded third base, get home safe. It's that time Christmas time is here Everybody knows There's not a better time of year Hear that sleigh Santa's on his way He'll kill parade for Christmas vacation